Hello and welcome to 141 Studio. This is the coffee house and I am the supreme overmaster, Nate himself. <laughs> and by popular demand, mm-hmm. that being the demand of both of my subjects, I am introducing this episode. Oh, yes, overboard. So let us introduce the first host to my left because I can't see him right now. Oh, I'm my turn. Yeah, you're Overlord. Turn. I'm allowed to speak now. Oh, yes, wow. yes. Ryan Whiting I've been in the flesh. Speaking this whole time. And, <laughs> and my other subject to my right, because I also cannot see him. I feign dissidence uh, to you, but I'm. I mean, I mean, I, I'm in love with you, Mister Overlord. I didn't mean to say that. I'm so sorry. I um. All hail the trash fire. All hail Paul the trash Cushing. fire. All hail the trash fire. Uh, thank you, Mr. Overlord, for allowing us <laughs> to speak on this podcast. We really appreciate your presence here, yep. and um, we hope to have many more times with you to to grace us with your your words and your kindness as you come through. <clears throat> yes, verily, verily, all hail. Verily, 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 all verily. Hail. <laughs> indeed. I so. Today, we're going to be talking about a recent coaching change, and more importantly, the manager that just lost his job, Julian Nagelsmann. Mm. Um, So for those of you who don't know, Julian Nagelsmann Mm. is a 35-year-old German coach. 35. 35. When he started coaching in the first team... In the Bundesliga at Hoffenheim in the 2015-2016 season, he was the youngest coach in the history of the Bundesliga. He's also one of the youngest coaches ever in like the top five divisions in Europe ever. I think, or maybe he was the youngest. Yeah, it's yeah. it. He's either the youngest or you know like third on the list. Um, and he's been pretty successful. He's he has a really great quote that kind of sums up a lot of what we're going to say. And it's coaching is 30% tactics and 70% social competence, which I I absolutely love that. That's sort of like his mission statement as a manager, a yes. lot of like a lot of the the tactics and things that Paul will talk about are sort of based on his based on the players he has and the players Mm -hmm. that he wanted to play. Mm -hmm. He over his career has coached 388 matches that sort of matter. He's got a 1.94 points per match like record, which is I I'm going to say pretty good. That's really good. It's really, really good. There's not many that are above him in that sort of range. Maybe you're talking like pep. Right, like the true juggernauts of, yeah, of like the like the top, top, top guys. Yeah. Right. And so this season, with in their title-defending Bayern Munich season, he is 15-7-3 in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. That's good for second. They're one point behind first. They're 8-0 in the Champions League. They have not drawn or lost the game. They have won the only match in the Pokal Cup. That they've played, mm-hmm. and they won the Super Cup to start the to start the year. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> man, that's a pretty good year. <laughs> he fin- he won last year. He won the title last year, Bundesliga title. Mm-hmm. I don't think they lost to Villarreal, 
in in the Champions League, which yep. they did not like very much. They went out and probably shouldn't have gone out to Unai Emery. Another good, good, good man, manager. good manager, but like, yeah. but you know, Baron expects to win those. Yeah, you're, you're supposed to beat the good team, the good managers, because you're, yep. you're great, you know. But we, we, this is, you know, yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about Bayern? Oh, you mean FC Hollywood? <laughs> yeah, that one. FC Hollywood. Hey, we. The, <laughs> I think this is one of those things that people forget about. Um, and maybe in Germany that they still called FC Hollywood, but um, you know, in the United States, everyone calls them Bayern, um, and I think in rest, the rest of Europe. But they have. Uh, it's it's more of a um, n- notorious um, n- uh, moniker because. FC Hollywood is about when the players kind of took over the gossip headlines instead of the, uh, you know, the f- the football paper headlines, you know, like the newspaper headlines for being really good at their game. Um, and right now they're kind of having one of those moments, it feels. Um, you know, Nagelsmann was fired, right? I want to give you a little uh, detail about what exa- exactly happened. So Nagelsmann's, Nagelsmann, they decided to fire Nagelsmann. He was skiing in Austria. He found out on the news on his phone or you know somewhere in it, a, at the ski resort that he was fired didn't wasn't even called or told that he was fired and uh, and replaced by uh, uh someone that we both know and um have very distinct opinions about oh we'll get to him we'll ha- we'll get to him we'll get to him um the half blood prince i mean no that's not it sorry um <laughs> <laughs> ooh that's that's better Ooh, that's better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah. So FC Hollywood has this has this very distinct moniker, and they're having one of the, to me. I think Byron having one of those moments. And the thing is, is it's run by people who used to be at the club, like in running, like you know, working in some of those times. Like Oliver Kahn is a sporting director. Okay. Oliver Kahn, the Oliver Kahn, like the guy who played for the German national team and was a crazy son of a gun, like the whole time that he was there, like would kind of like try to kill people in the in the box when he played, you know, but one of the best goalkeepers of his generation, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the people who run the, at the top are former Bayern coaches yep. or, or players, and they um, have a very high expectation of, or like a very, like, uh, you know, closed expectation of what the club is really about. Bayern Munich demands excellence. There is no time for rebuilding. There is no time to change what you're doing. Mm -mm. You either win or you're out. And I sort of forgot because, like, the English game and the Italian game have been getting so interesting over the last, you know, you know, eight years, a decade, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that... Bayern goes like two, three years with with any manager, and they they get rid of them quick, unless they continue to do the thing that you know is asked of them. I mean, they, they yeah, there's not a, a coach that has been there for longer than Pep had one of the longer stints as manager of Bayern Munich for like four years. He was there, <laughs> right? And, that's an eternity, and that actually is a long time. And the thing is, is that he never won Champions League with them. Made it to the semifinal, I think four times. He made it to the semifinal, but never got to the, never made it to the final, and never won it. Hansi Flick, who soon replaced him, not directly replaced him. There was a couple guys in between. They had like, uh, they had, um, it's like Hankis and Niko Kovac, a couple guys um, after him. They 
Um, they nothing happened there, and then all of a sudden Hansi Flick came in and you know turned it all around. Um, and, and they won a Champions League with Hansi Flick. They they that was a special team. They destroyed teams. They that they they had one year where they were just I watched them play and I'm like, oh, they're the best. They're the best team in Europe. And yeah. It's not even close. Not even close. They were playing faster than everyone else. They were stronger than everyone else. They looked bigger. Like physically bigger than everyone else, they just looked like they dominated on everyone without and without much, you know, trouble either. And they didn't. And they didn't, they played a very similar style to Pep. Like Hansi Flick didn't try to change much. He just no. He just came in and was like, "Hey, so you guys know this thing. Let's just continue to do that, but we're gonna add just a touch of aggression and I'm gonna put some really fast players on the outside, and then we're just gonna do the thing. Guess what? It worked. It worked really, really well. Um, and you had you know Lewandowski at top, and you know he. Finishes everything inside the box, so right, probably the best goal scorer on earth right now. Or was I mean, you know, Holland, I was would say it? you know at the time he was definitely was the, the guy. Yeah, yeah. He, you know. But anyway, um, you know, and so and he was only there for two years. Hansi Flick, he decided to go to the German national team after he was kind of he was done with yep. Bayern after a couple of years. He was done with Bayern. It it seems like a miserable job. Yeah. It's 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 one of those coaching jobs that there's so much like people don't realize um you know in the United States it's much like taking on like the Yankees manager job or right. um the Lakers coaching job like the amount of media scrutiny and like people thinking that they know better than you or thinking that they have this idea that they're they're better than you is is really really high and it's like very similar in that sense they that's it's another reason why it's called fc hollywood too is because there's always someone talking about you and and much like the lakers or the yankees or once upon a time the montreal canadians Mm -hmm. there's a supreme arrogance to how they operate oh yeah they expect to be the best Mm mm-hmm Anything less than best team on earth is unacceptable, right? Which is, like, in sporting terms, little insane and definitely, definitely arrogant to the max, right? Yep. Guess what, though? Guess what? Bayern has won how many Bundesliga titles in a row? They're at Uh, 10 right now. 10? 10 Bundesliga titles in a row. They've won a couple Champions Leagues in that time. They've done it all. They've done it all, and uh, and you know, sometimes you have to go backwards in order to go forwards. Yeah, I, I don't know. Do you want to do feelings on this on this firing first, or you want to wait until later? For let's that? wait until later. Wait until later. Okay. So let's let's go back in time then and explain why Julian Nagelsmann even got this job to begin with. So. He he takes over Hoffenheim in the 15-16 season, and he coaches until the finish of the 18-19 season. He's manager of the year in, I believe, the Bundesliga mm-hmm. in the 2016-2017 season. They finish fourth, right? He then finishes third and then finishes ninth. In his first season coaching the team, he... Excuse me. He finished uh, 15th. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of... Hoffenheim aren't a super large club. They definitely were punching a little bit above their weight class. And we did we did research for this with some of their like transfers in and mm-hmm. transfers out. And 
one of these things that I just got really struck by as I'm looking at all of these transfers he makes in the 2016-2017 season, Mm -hmm. all these guys stuck around, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, or they left when when, uh, Nogglesman did. There were a couple of guys who, as soon as he as soon as he left, they moved on to their next manager. They were sold in that window. Mm-hmm. But like the core of this team, the players that played, you know, two hundred appearances with with Hoffenheim or like a hundred appearances with Hoffenheim, the the like players that were first choice on the team sheet, mm-hmm. they are they all have either retired or are still there. Mm-hmm. And like I'll I'll throw out a name, uh, Andre Kremaric. I mm. believe I pronounced that. Yeah, right. you did. Good job, my friend. Um, I I will not lie. I listened to it on the internet to try and get it down. Fantastic. Well it, done. It's his first, his first like money transfer, right? He's a he's a center forward, mm-hmm. and he ends up he ends up having 244 appearances he's still there still under contract for two more years he's gonna play probably a decade with that club and he has like 110 goals right he was Mm -hmm. huge for them in the champions league and it's just this guy is for for a decade leads the line for hoffenheim and they have a center mid who's who did the same thing. They have mm-hmm. a couple of center backs who've done the same thing. And all of them get bought at like 23, 24. So they're all kind of starting to turn 31, 32 now. But it's this really interesting, like, they clearly were there and stuck around because of what Nogglesman built. Mm-hmm. There was a camaraderie. There was a, there's a, this core group of guys who have, fought and bled for Nogglesman and for each other enough that they still do it like three, four years after he's left. And there's something beautiful about that. You oh, don't yeah. see that everywhere. Of course, yeah. yeah. You know, you get four years out of somebody, that's that's a decent amount of time in any sport. Mm, yeah, you're not wrong, actually. The, like, you know, the people want to... Um, there's this like crazy dynamic that we have with sports with with players mm-hmm. and how like we we criticize them for the money they take and mm-hmm. and you know the decisions to not want to stay somewhere and go somewhere else but in reality time is very very finite for an athlete professional yeah. athlete and we need to <laughs> I feel like we need to give more space and and uh and um awareness for like the things that they have to do consistently and the fact that they could be without a job very very quickly um yeah to continue, sorry. No worries. Do you want to talk a little bit about the tactics that he was using at Hoffenheim at the time? I didn't. I actually, I um, I didn't go too crazy into the tactics at Hoffenheim. I was more focused on his time at Real Madrid. I mean, not Real Madrid at Bayern Munich. Excuse <laughs> me. Sorry, it was the same, same, same club, right? Yeah, um, same basic principle. Um, I, I really focused on his time at Bayern because I, I, I wanted to talk about like the the things that caused his downfall more than anything else that caused like part of the reason that that happened his gotcha. talk- tactics at Hoffenheim were very similar it was a 4-2-3-1 he he pushed he played very aggressive man-to-man marking system he um, made sure that he had three defenders to build in the back with a really technical number six in in the build-up and when that six was marked he made sure that the the center backs were technical enough so they could play balls 
out wide on the line or centrally into the attacking midfielder. And um, he always had um, wingers. He liked his wingers to play inside in the channels a lot. He didn't like them outside. He liked them in the channels so they can cut into onto the um, touchline or or cut across to curl into the top corner, uh, a la Aryan Robin, a la many, many players at this the, point. The Coutinho, cut inside, we, man. Yeah, Coutinho did it really well, too, or does it really well still, I should say. Um and so, yeah, he has a very distinct system, but I would say like it's more it's about dominance. Like he really is, and the thing and the thing is is that his game um, can work in many different ways, and it can work in many different systems. So like he may play different tactical systems. He may not just play in a four two three one. Sometimes he'll play in a three four three. Sometimes he'll play in a four one three two. It doesn't. It's not necessarily that important where he starts. It's the idea is that it changes as the game goes so he can create dominance over a course of a over a game and his his pressing is really important to his system because he wants to win the ball high up the field and so other teams uh other teams of the past um you know and byron's past particularly did not necessarily do that and he was changing that because he wanted to really you know, put it down the throat of these teams. He was not, he was like, like he was looking to dominate in a way that other teams didn't want to do. Um, right. that we're, we're not letting you leave. Your other pass by. Yeah. Yeah. Other Byron teams didn't do like, uh, and in a way, you know, in some ways it made sense, but in, in this current environment, like this is the new style and yeah. you know, he had the players to do it anyway, but back at Hoffenheim and back in Leipzig, it, it really, um, transform them and they and they um he had the right players to play the system and all of a sudden you see they're thriving brought in some loans brought in guys like Napri and I think he had Reese Nelson at a time who is at Arsenal who yes. just scored like a really important yep. goal and he did really well for them I think he scored eight or ten goals for them mm-hmm. um and at, at the time and he, he loved his time at Hoffenheim and I think he went and then they also took on Smith Rowe who went to RB Leipzig for six months he played under Nagelsmann yeah Another Arsenal guy, and he said he loved playing at Leipzig, even though he didn't really play many games. He was there just essentially as a learning experience. But, right. You know, he also like, he brought in uh, Ethan Ampadu. Yep, who was a great who, player. Yeah, yeah, who didn't, who never played, but again was just sort of doing the like learning experience. He had like six total games. Yeah. With uh, with Leipzig, I believe. Yeah. I mean, they they he has these guys that I mean, he knows he knows how to pick talent. I mean, he knows like the guys that he wants very distinctly, and he he picks wingers distinctly to to play forward because he knows that they know how to create space, and they can finish well enough. Not saying that. And the thing is, is that there aren't many number nines in the world, like true right. number nines in the world. So he's trying to find other ways to score goals. Right. And he's he, actually really clever in that sense. He does an incredible job of finding like these these sort of like second striker types or like half wingers half mm-hmm. half forwards he did it at uh at leipzig as well he brought in uh alexander sorloth mm-hmm. christopher and kunku oh my god did you did, and, did you see the season he had last year yes freak <laughs> he's a freak and he's going to chelsea next year yeah and uh and danny olmo and, and danny olmo is another one of those guys right. yeah and all three of those guys are just filth incredible incredible goal scorer another guy too is um Sabatsalai. he's another guy that they paid he he's at leipzig now but he's yeah daniel Sabatsalai. he's uh, um he's a hungarian 
And he's another one of those guys that Nagelsmann saw was like, this is a guy. Like we pick it. And he was in the the RB system. He yeah. played at Salzburg, yeah. um, but he was a guy that um, specifically, like Nagelsmann knew he was going to score goals and he's going to create a lot, and he's going to be able to press and work hard. So those those are the guys that he wants. And Danny Olmo is quick, aggressive, fast. Um, Christopher and Cuckoo, oh my God! Like you're you're talking about a dude. How many? He had like what twenty goals and assists, twenty goals yeah. plus twenty assists last year, or something like that. It was crazy numbers last year. Yeah, he has uh, he has 163 appearances, 64 goals and 52 assists, and like I want to say a good four, like 20 goals. I think it's 20 goals and like 18 assists, or maybe 25. I can't remember which season it was. Um, we're last year. Yeah, he just had an incredible, incredible. One hundred and forty-three games and one hundred and sixteen uh, goal contributions. Yes, That's, I won a game almost. <laughs> That's crazy numbers yeah, in this game. In this game, it's, it doesn't matter. He's in one of the top five leaves. It's incredible. Yeah, and he was a freak last year. Just straight up, no one could stop him. And then this year, he's had a little bit of a tougher season. I think you know, coaching. There's a bunch of things that kind of been involved yeah. in that and. And, and to, whatnot, and his Chelsea move is also affecting him, I think, in a way. To like sort of like pull it together with with the kinds of players that he he bought, he he would get a lot of these sort of like half winger types, right? Mm-hmm. Because he presses high, right? Because he he's going to do the Red Bull kind of style where it's like you guys have to play defense right and if you get guys who've done that on the outside enough it's probably a little bit easier when they move sort of up top right. to have them be like hey you're not chasing fast guys anymore these guys are slow now right, right? you right. can get on them a little bit a little yeah. bit easier and and it all seems to be like that's connected i think he's looking for specific players that will will play that style that are going to score goals and all of all of the strikers he's brought in, all the forwards he's brought mm. in, score and assist. There's like nobody that has just an incredibly low amount of assists right, that right, play right. in the front. Like they right. clearly work together, right, in a partnership up top and and press and feed off of each other. Team dynamics are really really important for Julian Nagelsmann. Like yes. really important. Like they all have to do their part for the team as they work together. It's like one of those things that he brings about with his coaching from the beginning is that you all have to work together and you all have to do the things that are best for the team, not the best for you. Right. You know, and it's kind of a special thing in a way. It's a very special thing. I think, you know, like not many coaches are, I mean, coaches are trying to achieve that, but he actually has achieved it in a lot of ways. And I think it's because of the players that he's brought in consistently. He has guys who buy into that because that's what they want. You know, and Sorloth is like the probably the most traditional number nine he's ever bought. Yeah. And Kramerich. Kramerich and Sorloth are probably the two guys that are the most traditional in the sense of a number nine. Like, because Sorloth is like big, tall, strong. Yeah. Like, kind of guy, you know? Yusuf Olsen was already there when they when he was there, and he used him. Guess what he used him as? As a pressing forward. He didn't. Yep. He wasn't asking him to score goals. He was looking for him to, like, create chaos, and then hopefully they'd score from well, his chaos off of that. I think Yusuf Polson was sort of just like a really really big wing when he first sort of broke through with uh He's just a giant with, battering ram. Yeah. yeah. He's I, I I quite like Yusuf Polson. He's, he's a, great but he yeah. can't score. He's not very good assist man. He just he's there to like make sure he makes other players better. I we so Newcastle sort of has a player like him in um Oh god. It's not Callum. No, Joe Joe Linton. Joel. No, Joe Linton is like 
got more technical skill than than uh, Yusuf Polson. Way more. I want to I, I want to stop that because there you cannot right, compare right. those two players. Okay, together. all right, all right, all right. Yusuf Polson is is great at what he does. Yeah. Like he's great at what he does, but he can't do much more than that. So uh, to wrap up his tenure with Leipzig, yes. they um, they finished third and second in the league. And competed they in the win of the year they finished second. They were close. They were yeah. close for most of the season. They were right and, on their tail. Like and that. then Bayern kind of pulled away at the end. Yeah. So he again had a phenomenal um he had so he was about two two points per per match during that time with, with Leipzig, which is pretty good. Yeah. Man, it's pretty, pretty pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> you wanna so I think that takes us back to Bayern Munich now. We're back. We're back. Back home. Back in Hollywood. Right. Back. Back. Back in the sunny, sunny hills of Munich. So if they have hills. I don't know if they do. I'm I, sorry. I think, fire and I think they're in the mountains. So they're they're um, Bavarian. Mountain adjacent. Mountain adjacent. Yeah. I guess. They're so, maybe they're in the valley. So with Munich, he he managed 84 matches. Right. Mm-hmm. That's including this year. Hmm. He won 60 of them. Mm-hmm. Only lost 10. Three of them are this year. He's got a 2.31 points per game. Points per, points mm-hmm. per match, yeah. Mm-hmm. Average. He won the league last year. I think they came in the semifinals. Was it the quarterfinals? Quarterfinals. Champions in the quarterfinals League. of the Champions League last year. Like, for any other club, that's pretty all right, man. You won your league. But for Bayern... Fucking Munich. For Mr. FC Hollywood. It's not good enough. It's apparently not good enough. And I cannot stress enough. I've, I have been containing myself thus far. How garbage a decision this is. <laughs> Paul is going to provide a counterpoint on this. This is the dumbest thing that big clubs do. You have a guy, okay, who you brought in who clearly knows how to build a culture Build a very effective team. Mm-hmm. You haven't lost a match in the Champions League, right? Which realistically is all you should care about. You're going to come in the top three of your league every year, right? You want to win it every year? That's great. If BVB beats you mm-hmm. one year, it's not the end of the world, guys. They're also pretty good. And guess what? Jude Bellingham's gone next year. And he's a large reason why they, they can hang Even with close, you. close, yeah. Right. So, okay, you're going to finish in second because this one player has a great year. And you're going to fire a 35-year-old wunderkind manager who's been incredibly successful everywhere he's been. Every transfer, and pretty much every transfer yeah, he's no, ever Yeah, no made, one's ever 100%. Right. Yeah, yeah. Has worked out for him. He has brought in, or I guess your board has brought in, a bunch of like... 22-year-olds, 20-year-olds, you know, 24-year-olds to work with this guy. And guess what? You could have built a team that for the next decade would have been utterly dominant. And the thing is, is Bayern doesn't have to learn this lesson. They don't. They're big enough Mm -hmm. that they'll be fine regardless. Tuchel's probably going to win them the Champions League. I sure hope not. They don't deserve it. But like... No, they don't. But you had an opportunity to build with what you have. I'm sorry, Serge Gnabry and uh, Sadio Mane, both of which 30 years old, might I add. Is it Mane? Mane's uh, like 32. 
22, and I think oh, no, Gnabry's and, 28. And see, Leroy Sané is another guy, too. It's another problem with them, with the, the whole dynamic. Right. And it's just like, okay, you're right. Your 30-year-olds are like, why am I being managed by a 35-year-old? Or like, yeah, like, why is he trying to do this whole team thing? Like, I don't want to do my own thing. Right, yeah. because like, you know, FC Hollywood, we're the best of the best. We don't have to play that collectivist bullshit. You know what? I hate that. I absolutely hate that. Because Bayern, <sighs> Bayern's going to be fine, and they shouldn't be. They should be punished for this. Because and this they is may the- be punished for this. We don't know yet. Right, right. But this is the kind of guy you can't let just leave your building. <laughs> He's been so good, and yeah, maybe he's having some troubles with some of the players. Maybe you're having a down bit of form. Guess what? That happens to every club in the world. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it can't happen at Bayern because you all are psychopaths, but it happens to every club in the wow. world. Wow. <laughs> and it is the height of arrogance. Dare I say it's Real Madridian. Oh, they to are do that, this. they're there. That's who they are. I mean, Real Madrid do this all the time too. They all do these these things. Here's and I hate it for them too. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, it you can't it's Here's the thing. There are a couple of things that have occurred that um ca- have caused some issues within uh the club that I in some instances I would say um, have made this difficult for Nogglesman and why part of the reason why he was let go. You know, like he's a guy who wants to work through the players and build family dynamics and player dynamics and, uh, and build these things, relationships with the players so that within themselves and with him so that they can play at their, their best ability all the time, right? Unfortunately, um, you know, Nogglesman was married for 15 years and was divorced. Um, and then he started dating a um, a journalist for The Bild, which is like the largest German sports newspaper in Germany, or one of the biggest newspapers in Germany. I don't know if it's the sports newspaper, but it's one of the biggest newspapers in Germany. And so the players decided that that wasn't very cool. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. It's a really tough thing when you're you're managing one of the biggest the the biggest club in Germany and one of the like five or six biggest clubs in the world, and you're dating a journalist who could easily write anything about you at any single time. It makes it really difficult to run and connect with your coach on a consistent basis. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. It's just perspective of this moment is a big deal. Then there's a whole thing with Manuel Neuer. Now Manuel Neuer is a German legend. We'll call him that because he is, you know. And there's been a couple of things that have occurred over the course of this time that have caused problems. Um, first, Manuel Neuer was in a ski accident recently, broke his leg, is in, is now in rehab trying to return. And um, Neuer, uh, and it, it forced um, Bayern and um, and Nagelsmann to have to purchase a goalkeeper for um, for the, the for the winter, and they ended up buying um, Jan Sommer, who is right. excellent. He's a great, great goalkeeper. Choice. <laughs> great choice, great decision. He's been great for them since they they've come. Um, he's, since, he's been great for pretty much his whole career. Yeah, he's been yeah. like one of the best goalkeepers in the game. He's one of the top like fifteen, I would say. Yeah. You know, consistently great or very very good. And the thing is. <sighs> Nagelsmann made the decision to fire Neuer's goalkeeping coach. Here's the problem. It's one of Manuel Neuer's closest friends and buddies. He fired him. 
not great for team dynamics. Even if it was the right decision, ultimately, which it probably was. I, I don't see Nagelsmann as a guy as like being like, oh, I don't like, no, we're not doing this anymore. It's a, um, oh, no, no, this is a problem. Like there's something not happening here. And he, I don't think he was, I think he was thinking that Noria was stagnating and he needed change. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong to expect that from him. You, you, sometimes you get, you can become too comfortable in the patterns that you are, are working in. And right. sometimes you need a change. And I don't necessarily think it was wrong to have some of those things happen, but it does create an environment. And Neuer decided he was, he came out in the media and was like, Oh, I'll, you know, he's an awful person and this and that. Like I loved my goalkeeper coach and I, I mean, he had a right to defend him, but at the same time, like, you know, this is part of the job. Right. This is professional athletics. Yeah. I, I do have a question. Was it Neuer's personal goalkeeper coach? It ended up being, like, he was one of his closer, like, I would say, I don't know, he was Or coach, was he the goalkeeper He was coach. the goalkeeper coach. Right. And I he can, was then, it, but he was a very close personal friend and probably his personal goalkeeper coach outside of Bayern Munich. Right. Yeah. My, so. Because the goalkeepers have those things. That does feel like. As a goalkeeper coach. A. A conflict of interest. Oh, no. There's a whole bunch of problems with it. That's why. But Nagelsmann has that same problem, right? Right, right, right. Dating the journalist is also a conflict of interest in a way. Right. I I just, yeah. And anyway, continue with what you're saying. No, no. I just think there's like a whole bunch. The thing is, is like this whole team dynamics and personal dynamics thing, what ended up happening is he ruined it without realizing it. I think a bunch of things, it was a confluence of these things all at once multiple things and the players they like uh, towards the end like Gnabry and um Leo Arsane and Sadio Mane all started to feel like they weren't being put in the right positions they they were constantly being pulled out of the positions that they really wanted to be in um they felt that the systems were too fluid that they didn't feel like they were getting any cohesion and it caused a lot of problems um uh, and it, and eventually they became a little, um, you know, distant about it. And I watched the last game that he coached. I watched Bayern versus um, Bayer Leverkusen, which is coached by Xabi Alonso, Alonso, who is is already like starting to make some serious changes. And that a Bayer team looks pretty good. They do look good, if, considering that they were almost they were in the relegation fight when he was hired as coach of that team. Um, he looks like one of those uh, he's gonna former be one of those players guys. who's going to be a good, yeah, good manager. Be real good. He's he was a he was a coach on the field when he was there. I was say, it was, might help that he was never like the most athletic of guys, so he had to get by with his oh, sort of so like, smart, what his doing. good technique. Yeah. I mean, he was Pep Guard. He was a version of Pep Guard. Yeah, Pep Guardiola to me. You know, like he played at Real, but which which one do you think was a better player? I think Xabi was a better player. Yeah. Played it better. I mean, it's tough. Pep was a really <laughs> good player. I, 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 I don't want to make that decision right away. I know it's because I watched Xabi Alonso and I saw yeah. how dominant he was yeah. at times. I, I didn't watch enough of Pep, but Pep we played at Barcelona and won titles there. So it, it I mean, it, you can't go wrong either way. Anyway, um, back to the point. Um, that game, there's that there was a moment at halftime where they were subbing in Sané and Gnabry, and I. Th- think yeah and there was just this weird awkward interaction that Nagelsmann had and I couldn't help but feel that there was something off about it yeah you know like it was very clear that the players were just kind of like all right like 
are we done talking? Can we can we move on? Like I just want right. to get on the field and do the thing. And you could see it on the field too that the way they played, they yeah. didn't play as if they wanted to necessarily work for this guy anymore. And maybe Byron saw this and saw thought, you know, we may not be able to come back from yeah. this anymore. And this is not to say that I don't think Byron should have stayed with him and decided to start a new um, thing, a new like player revolution, right, new cycle. Yeah, a new cycle. Because in a way, I think that's what's going to be needed in the long yeah. term, you know. But that's what they saw, and they decided that it was time. And I, for me. If that's the case, I understand it. I don't think it's necessarily right, but I understand it. I think any time firing a goalkeeper coach can ruin your team dynamics, you really need to look at your team dynamics with or without your manager. Well, you got to look you have to look at the players and see like what really what's really going right. on there, right? Everything you said about Na- Nabri and uh and Mane and Neuer Sounds like an absolutely like impossible job, right? Because he's not asking you to do too much. He yeah, he wants you to go inside and he wants you to press, right? That's kind of the job now. Mm-hmm. I know that you're a winger and you want to do all the fast run with the ball stuff, but that's kind of the job now, man. You gotta press. You gotta you gotta go to the dangerous areas. I don't know. It's commitment, and the the thing is too is, um, right now Nagelsmann's kind. Of, I feel as Nagelsmann's at this crossroads with regards to his tactical, you know, impetus and his continuity, because sometimes he can be a little too, um, um, all over the place with his tactical, yeah. um, awareness and like maybe his a little systems. Too fluid. Yeah, maybe sometimes it could be a little too fluid. Which this is all about his social awareness thing his social competence thing and and like his real belief that social competence work and guess what the thing that he was really preaching he couldn't do anymore because of the decisions that he made yeah the thing is is that he needed the club to back him to change the players to change the culture and it didn't happen unfortunately it went the other way around i turned on him i would like to see him to wrap up uh to wrap this part up i'd like to see him move to a club where he can have that kind of an impact, maybe one that isn't going to bring in players that don't necessarily always want to listen. Right. I mean, he knows. He knows the players that he wants. Like, yeah. he knows He knows the players that will work and won't work. Right. He knows the players that will work for him and won't work for him. And he knew. I think he knew at Byron, like, after, like, probably a few months, he, he probably came to the realization himself. He's like, this is going to be really hard. Right. This is a tough job for me. This, the this things isn't going to work out because yeah. this may not work out because and, – and he's devastated. Like, yeah. it, it sounded pretty clear that he was, like, shocked and, like, surprised about the whole thing. And yep. he, this is a – this is, could be the thing that changes him and makes him, like, one of the best managers ever. This I do wonder thing. if he ever gets another big job like this. Oh, he will. If, if he gets a little enchilada about it. Where it's just like, nah, man, whatever. You all know what you're doing up there. Right. Right? Like, you know, this is how we defend. When you're in attack, I, I don't care. You all are the best at what you do. Right. Go, go do it. Like, yeah, yeah. But, like, if maybe instead of being 30, 70 at the end when he's at one of the top clubs, he's a little bit more, you know, 20, 80. Like, nah, man, you go, go have fun, I guess. Right. right. But we'll see. Now, uh, let's do, I don't know. 
minute or two on our our favorite petulant prince. What did you call him earlier? I called him. You called him Voldemort. Voldemort. I can't believe that. Voldemort. Such a mean thing. He's not that. Thomas Tuchel is one of the the best managers in the game and i i made I a really like bad in, joke in on on his part i so no i love it because if you like watch him and you watch how he manages and sort of how he acts he's a little snake like isn't he he's a, he's 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 in a weird character he's got he's got some snake like qualities he's a weird character but he's i mean he's a brilliant coach He's yeah. a brilliant coach. And I mean, I'm sure Bayern's going to be good. He's gone to a final of Champions League with Paris Saint-Germain, which, by the way, like can't seem to get out of the round of 16 to save their lives. I blame Neymar. Uh, it's too easy to blame Neymar. I blame I blame the, the people who run the club because it's really about making pe- per- Paris the name Paris yeah. than it is actually winning anything of real importance. Also, it's Paris. Yeah, Paris. <laughs> Paris. And then um and then he won it with Chelsea. And yeah. he won the Champions League with Chelsea and you know like he's done things. And also another man who was fired unceremoniously too in my opinion. Yeah. I think Todd Bowley was looking for his own guy and this whole thing. But yeah. to come full circle about this. Okay. You stirring the pot here? No, no, no. I was around and around the carousel goes yeah. is what that was. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're stirring the party. Uh, Thomas Tuchel will do fine at Bayern Munich, yeah. I think. But here's the thing. it, make, it the, With the juju of how this whole thing has gone down, the, I'm, I'm talking about energy here. I I, I kind of wonder what's actually going to happen here. Because this could all blow up, and Tuchel could, like, it could look really bad for Tuchel. They could lose in the Champions League quarterfinals um, to Bayern City. They could... Um, they could fall apart at the end of the stretch here because they hate him. They hate Tuchel because right. Tuchel's not an easy guy he's to a deal tough with guy. either. Yeah, yeah. A- and he, people are like, oh, he's you know he's a great manager, this and that. But the thing is, part of the reason why he was fired at Chelsea is because his players didn't want to play for him anymore. And they were kind of done with him as well. We have players that didn't want to play for their last manager now being managed by a guy that has had that happen to him before. Yeah. I wonder how that'll work out. I wonder see this is the thing that I'm interested in is 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 has he learned his mistake at Chelsea? I absolutely do not think Thomas Tuchel has because it's been the same everywhere he's gone. You know, it's like his blind spot, right? It's his one blind spot I, because I think honestly, if he were to solve this problem, he yeah. would be at a club for 6-7 years winning multiple times. I just right? I just think he's successful enough that it it doesn't matter. He just thinks it's part of the cycle. That's fair. Yeah. So, so, what do we think about Nagelsmann? I'd like to see him go to a club that wants to build something that maybe has slightly less resources, smaller club, and the honestly, you know where I want to see him? Where is that? Southampton. Oh God, that's that's not enough. He needs to be at a higher. He needs it needs more than that. Like uh, like Southampton's going to be bigger than Hoffenheim if they can get back into the Premier League with the money with the stay in the Premier if they stay yeah. in the Premier League I I think I like the idea but I think it's I don't think it's going to be a Southampton I think no. it'll be I so if he was fired two years ago I think they might have picked him at Newcastle instead of Eddie Howe see that see that to me that's the kind of club I'm talking about. Southampton's a big club, but it, like you know, you know, actually, what would be a great place for him to go? Where? And I mean, it would never happen. We we went to go see them. West Ham. Mm. You know why? West Ham's kind a of a dormant giant. Yeah. They they spend money. Oh. They've got a big stadium, and they have like, all the pieces in place to kind of do a thing. And they they have some players right now. Yeah. They're not performing at the highest of their abilities, but. 
they could play a really fun, attractive game and do a thing. If they get relegated, one, I don't think that's a barrier for him going there because West Ham will come up next year, right? Mm. And two, I think the job will be available. I mean, David Moyes is not going to be there at the, after this season anyways, I think. You think so? You yeah, think I think they'll stay up, but I think I don't think he's going to be there. Yeah. At the end of I mean, the that, that's possible. Everybody involved might just decide yeah. that the, it's right. But guess where he's going to go? Lads. It's Tottenham. This, he's 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 going all Spursy on us. And getting Spursian. <sighs> yep. And around and around the carousel goes. It'll be good. I think it'll be a good spot, spot for him too. But we'll, we'll see. They have an ownership issue, and we'll see if that changes. All right, Overlord. You uh, Overlord, our great and, and masterful Overlord and editor. He who allows us the time that we have, Overlord. Uh. Tottenham, Southampton, or West Ham? You don't have to know. Just pick one. They're all hammy. They're all they're all very hammy. That's true. You're asking the biggest ham in the room to make a ham joke. A ham, you know, yeah. we ham answer. We want a ham. Yeah, we want. This, we want. This, this room is nothing but a giant ham. We want hamsters right now. Right now okay, I mean, we're in the wheel. We're running around. Yes, we want was something. It? It was, it was uh, West, West Ham, you said. West Ham in London, Southampton. And South England, and uh, what was the other one? Tottenham. Tottenham, which is in North London. Yes. So Two. North, South, or somewhere to the west? Uh, east. West Ham's east. actually in East England. Even it's East it's London. Like, it's right, East I'm London. going with that one because it's confusing. Okay. That so it's, he says it's West called Ham. West Ham, but it's in the East. Yeah. He's gonna. He's yeah. like gonna go back to Hoffenheim or something. Julian yeah, Nagels. He's yeah, probably not yeah. going to any of those three, but you know what? No, it'll, lads, it'll be. You ma- he could, uh, he'll, he'll be yeah, like, imagine he goes to Dortmund or something to that extent. And he's like, you know, <laughs> oh I'm gonna my ruin god! And everyone. then he starts beating Bayern like regularly. Oh, that's. Just, I I feel that mm. that revenge is in him. I and like maybe not now. I think he will go to England because I yeah. think that that is a like a if he wins in England, it will be his right big I, time thing. But. And then I can see him going to like one of those upper mid. You know who? Who like Hertha Berlin. Which is oh, another bring up another team that would well, be. it's it's another sleeping giant. I believe they've just started to get like they're relegate they're in relegation some, battle too right now. Some investment, mm-hmm. I think they have. I think they're getting a little bit more money. They're in that looking club. to build a stadium, like a proper stadium, yeah. all those things. Yeah, and uh, and that could be another one because there's hasn't been a Berlin club that really has ever reached the top except and for Union. Well, yeah, but they. I mean, yeah. I mean, right year. now. I mean, it's a big deal. They're third right now. It's I know. I know. I won't downplay it. All right, Overlord, you want to lead us out? I feel like we said enough words. <laughs> what are you talking about? The, the Overlord mm. declares that this episode shall end mm. and that all shall hail the trash fire. I faint dissidents. Hey, you. You what? know what they say? Beware, beware. I faint. The Ides of March. <laughs> I faint dissidents. What? Why? What? Who? What? All Who hail the trash that? fire. All hail the trash fire. All hail the trash fire. All hail the trash fire. <laughs> one for one studio out.